Hey, and that's what church is about, for us to be closer to the Lord after church than before when we came. I appreciate that, gentlemen. What a blessing. Open your Bibles again to John chapter 11, and I'm going to stay right here. You'll want to just look at a few words as I go through the message this morning. I'm going to give an introduction to the introduction and then give you the message. I'm preaching on the subject, Our Work and God's Work. Our Work and God's Work. Let's pray, and then I'll give you the introduction to the introduction. All right? Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to open the Word of God, to see it, to hear it, and then, Lord, to obey the Word that we hear. May that be our heart's desire. I pray that you'd fill me with your Spirit. I desire, Lord, to be empowered by the Spirit of God within me to accomplish your work and your will today. I pray, Lord, that you would meet every need. If there's one here that's never received you as Savior, I pray that today they would trust you as their personal Savior. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. This month we're focusing on having a vision for the world. And I've been saying, and I repeat, not just a vision, but having God's vision for the world, which would be to preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, sometimes uh, we think only of our own uh, needs and desires and we uh, probably do not think of our global responsibility, our world responsibility as much as we should. And then when we do think of preaching the gospel to the world, as I understand now 7.8 billion people in the world, it's a tad overwhelming. And sometimes when we look at a task that big, we say, I can't do that, and so we step away from that responsibility. God does not expect me to do all of that, but he expects me to do my part. And if we together will do our part, we can accomplish God's will in getting the gospel to the world. Coca-Cola sells their product to the world. In fact, I, Kentucky Fried Chicken is doing a pretty good job getting their product to the world. We should have a desire getting the gospel to the world. God's called us to work with him to accomplish his will in man. That's an interesting and an overwhelming thought. What a joy it is to be able to work with God and our work and his work together accomplishing God's will. Uh, the Bible says in Mark 10, 27, And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Often, often feel so small and insignificant in the work I do with God. Sometimes we think, God, you're so great and wonderful. You, you don't need my help. But God said, I want you to work with me. I want you to serve with me. We, we sometimes feel like the bug on the elephant's back. And they, they crossed the bridge, the bug riding the elephant. They got to the other side and the bug said to the elephant, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? That's the way I feel. I feel so small and insignificant and yet God said, 
I want you to have a part. In fact, I'm not going to do my work unless you do your work. So we come to the illustration. We come to the story of the, uh, of the message today. It's a story of Lazarus and is a familiar story. It's a story that is a miracle uh, just about beyond our understanding or comprehension. We have a man here that has died. He has been sick for some time. They called for Jesus to come. And he came, according to them, too late because when he got there, Lazarus had already died and had already been put in uh, the place of burial in a cave. They put him there, uh, entombed him there, and they said, it's too late. He has already begun to stink. Decay has set in. May I say, Jesus is never too late, even though we sometimes think he is. He's never too late, and we know the story when Jesus gets there. Uh, he tells Lazarus to come back uh, from the grave. He says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus does come forth. As I look at the story, it reminds me when I look at Lazarus' death and his condition past healing and no hope, it reminds me of the world that, that the Bible describes in Ephesians 2 and verse number 1, dead in trespasses and sins. This is a side note, but was interesting to me. Jesus raised three people from the dead. One, he raised from the dead at home shortly after their death. The second one was a boy in the city of Nain. They were on their way to the cemetery to bury the body. Jesus raised him from the dead. The third was Lazarus that was already buried. It's interesting to me. One had just died. The other had died and was prepared for uh, the burial. The third had been buried. I look at that and I say it doesn't matter where you are in your life, whether you're a child, middle-aged person, or up in years, he's willing to save. And I'm glad for God's good grace to mankind. And we see it is recognized that the decay of the body is already set in in Lazarus and we look at the world and then we understand what the Bible means when it says in 1 John 5, 19, and the whole world lieth in darkness. His sisters Mary and Martha were grieving and they recognized the condition and what had happened. And it's a picture of the condition of our world and we sometimes look at the the world and say boy there's no hope it's gone too far and it's sin too far in its wickedness our nation will never come to Christ but we realize from this story nothing is too far gone for God there are four things in the message I want you to see, and I'll have to move quickly this morning uh, to finish in our sermon in the next 20 minutes. But there are four things I want you to see. First of all, he tells them to take ye away the stone. Second of all, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Third of all, he says, loose him. And fourth, he says, let him go. I have these words written down. Our work, God's work, our work, in his work talking about Lazarus. Let me say a word about each of these. He says, first of all, take ye away the stone. Now, at first reading, that makes sense. We know from reading the story what the Lord Jesus is going to do. He's going to raise Lazarus from the grave. We know what he's going to do. So we read the story and we think, well, uh, that's natural. Let's move the stone away so uh, Lazarus can come forth. But then you look at that and you realize this is Jesus. If he's going to raise him from the dead, surely he could move the stone away. 
And I mean, he can do anything. He's going to raise Lazarus, who's been dead four days. If he can raise him from the dead, Jesus can move the stone. But he says to the people, take the stone away. It's obvious that the Lord Jesus wants them to not only see and believe, he wants them to participate in the work that he is doing. Now the truth is, Jesus did not need their help in doing anything, but God has chosen to use men in his work. I don't know about you, I'd been glad just to remove the stone to see what Jesus is going to do. But to realize that Jesus asked them to do a small task. They were the ones that put Lazarus in there. They were the ones that put the stone there to seal up the, uh, the cave where Lazarus was. They were the one that put it there. They could take it away. But Jesus allowed them to have a part in the work that he was doing. May I say, it's amazing to me. It's exciting to me just to get to have a small part in the great work of God. And what's interesting to me is that God seldom does a mighty work unless men will do the simple work God has given them to do. I want to note here that Martha reasons with Jesus and said, wait a minute, don't take that stone away. Wait a minute, Jesus doesn't understand. Jesus, he's been dead four days. Decay has already set in. And it's sad that oftentimes there is a delay here. There is a delay in our obedience because of our mental reasoning rather than listening to what Jesus said to do. Can I say this morning, it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. If Jesus said to do it, it's the right thing to do. I don't have to understand it all. I don't have to reason all of it out. I don't have to figure it all out. I just have to obey what he says to do. And I certainly don't want to be a Martha to say, don't do what Jesus said to do. I want to say whatever he says to do, do it. Jesus, uh, in, in his first miracle in John chapter 2, Jesus' mother said to the servants there, whatever Jesus says to do, do it. When you look at the word of God, you see that God always gave man a work to do that would result in God following our work with supernatural work. It's interesting to me that God took the little lunch and he fed the 5,000. It's interesting that God told Moses to take the rod that was in his hand and hold it over the water and it was turned to blood or hold it over the land and the various plagues that came or to take the rod and hold it up and God would work in a mighty way. It's interesting how God would always tell them, here's what I want you to do and then I'll do what I can do. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you need God to work in your life in a big way? If you need God to work in your life in a big way, make sure that you obey him in the little things that you're able to do. Are you with me this morning? It's amazing to me how God will take just a simple track, handing it to someone, never knowing what might or might not happen with that, but then years later to hear how someone trusted Christ as Savior. Uh, for many years, there was a bus ministry worker by the name of Wally Beebe, and he was known uh, for the work in the bus ministry that we have a great part in today. And they say in his life, he was responsible for a million people coming to know Christ as their personal Savior through the bus ministry during his ministry. You know how Wally Beebe got saved? A college-age girl 
gave him a gospel tract. He went back to the service station where he was working. He sat down and he looked at the tract and it was similar to what we have. And it was asking if he knew for sure that he was going to heaven. He read that tract and God saved him as he prayed and received Christ as his Savior. One gospel track. Jesus said, take the stone away. You do what's easy to do. You do what's, what is simple to do. And I'll do what only I can do. In every instance in the Bible where man obeys, God follows with a supernatural work. Our missionaries are going to foreign fields to preach the gospel and win souls to Christ. And you look at this, this prayer uh, booklet and you see uh, the Baxters are going to uh, South Sudan. 14 million people uh, there. And I look at the next one uh, uh, that says uh, 1 billion, 1.3 billion people in India. How, how do you do a work so great to get the gospel to all of them? I don't know how God's going to do his part. I don't have to figure that out. All I have to do is my part. Take the stone away. Now, now we do that in other things in our life. We don't pay attention to it. Uh, most of you, you'll start your car today by just pushing a button. You don't understand how it all works. You put your foot on the brake and push the button. I got a car last year that when you, when you, when, when you stop at a stop sign or a, or, or a red light, the car, it, it just dies. It, it just stops. You take your foot off the brake and starts again. I text Dan after I bought the car. I said, this car is just like the car I bought when I was in high school. It died every time I stopped. <laughs> the only difference is my car then, if it didn't start on a hill, stop on a hill, I couldn't get it going again. This one I just have to take my foot off. The, I don't understand all that, but that's how it works. The, the, the Vance Havner used to say, I don't understand how electricity works, but I'm not going to stand around in the dark till I do. I'm going to flip the light switch. Every day we do things that are so simple that make a big impact from pushing a button and taking a picture, pushing a button and sending a message that could be read around the world. Jesus said, take the stone away. I want to tell you this morning, you and I ought to be obedient in every little thing that God gives us to do, every small task, because you never know when we're obedient in the small things what God will do in a mighty work. That's why a simple prayer for my children every day is important to me. That's why a simple prayer for my wife is important. That's why praying for our church and praying for our staff and praying for our deacons and praying for our college teachers and praying for our school teachers and praying for our missionaries and praying for those that are, uh, that are lost that need to be saved. You say, well, it seems like that prayer is so small and so insignificant. It would be if it wasn't connected to an almighty God. I'm glad this morning that all I have to do is what I can do and then God can step in to do what he can do. I want you to notice the second part of the message this morning. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, and he that was dead came forth. Wow, what a mighty work. Only That, that can only be explained through the mighty power of God. May I say this morning, you and I serve the God who is the creator of this universe. He is a sustainer of the world. And God can do what he desires to do. And he can save to the uttermost. And when he said... Lazarus come forth, he did. Had he just said come forth and not used Lazarus' name, everybody in the graveyard been up walking around. But Lazarus, he said, come forth. 
take your Bibles and go with me to uh, uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 2. I love this wonderful chapter here of what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that describes us in our condition, in our lost condition. And we'd be so similar to the condition of Lazarus dead in the grave for four days. But then we see what God can do. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others but God. Do you see it? But God, aren't you glad God stepped into your life? I'm glad God stepped into my life. But God, who is rich in mercy for his grace, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. That means to be made alive, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. First of all, he says, roll the stone away. Second of all, he says, Lazarus, come forth. By the way, the people could not do what only Jesus could do. And nobody can save you but Christ. No church can give you eternal life. We can put your name on the roll, but that won't get your name in the book of life. We can put your name on the Sunday school row, but that won't get you eternal life. Uh, they could have gone into Lazarus and put a, a wafer and, and uh, the juice in his mouth, but it wouldn't give him life. Only Jesus can give life. I'm glad that we get to work together with Christ. It's an amazing thing to see what God can do when man will do what he is supposed to do. I'll be preaching this year in August in Mexico City for Brother... Uh, Kevin Wynn he is an American who went as a missionary. He and his wife uh, went to Mexico 35 years ago. For three years, they couldn't get anybody to come to church. They worked to win people to Christ. They, 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 they witnessed. They did what they were supposed to do. They couldn't get folks to come to church. They, he and his wife and a child, they basically lived out of a van, and they were working to win people to Christ. Today, it's not only the largest church in Mexico, it's the largest or one of the largest in the world. Their auditorium will hold a little more than 12,000 people, and they will have one service, and they'll, and they'll leave and then have another service, and they'll have some 25,000 people attend church there this morning. They started with nobody, just the gospel. But when they did what they could do, God did but only he can do. It's an amazing thing. We look at world missions. We'll say, what, what would $5 do to make a difference? What would $10 do to make a difference in your hand or mine? It would only make a $5 or $10 difference, but who knows what difference it could make in God's hand. We give. We're not, just, we're not giving to a local church just like we're giving to a, 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 a charitable organization. We're putting it in God's hand and God being our helper to use it to invest the gospel in the lives of those that are around the world. We ought to be excited to realize all I have to do is my part, take away the stone, and God will do his part. Now, it's interesting to me. We come back to the story. Lazarus is alive. And he's standing there, and he's bound. He's bound in the grave clothes. 
I don't know if, 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 if Jesus raised him from the grave and just stood him there. I don't know if he floated out. I don't know what happened. But he's standing there and he's bound. And Jesus says to them, Jesus says to them, loose him. Now why again would Jesus have them to do something that is so insignificant? It looks like if he could loose him from the bonds of death, he could loose him from the grave clothes. And he could. But again, he said to them, loose him. To me, it pictures uh, uh, their responsibility and our responsibility that when a person is saved, that we ought to love them. We ought to care for them. We ought to teach them the word of God according to the great commission that looses them from the grave clothes of sin and the world and death and help them to know the joys of life and living the Christian life I want folks to know the joy that I have in my heart that joy didn't come from an inspirational rally it didn't come from just the power of positive thinking it came from the power of a positive God that is able to do all things and as I learned this Bible the more I know of the book the more life I have the more joy I have the more peace the more contentment and when Jesus said loose him and let him go it reminds me of a Sunday school teacher that's teaching children the wonderful words of truth an adult teacher that's teaching uh, their Sunday school class or teaching a teen class this is the book that will set you free loose him and let him go what an interesting thing that God comes back and gives us the responsibility what a joy it is to take the word of God and see the power of God's word and how it changes a person's life from the inside out now to the world they may think this preaching of the cross is foolishness in fact Paul said to the church at Corinth for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it's the power of God he said after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God the world by their wisdom knew not God it pleased God for the uh, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe you didn't become a Christian by the knowledge of the world you became a born-again child of God by believing what God said and receiving him into your life and that my friend is a truth that sets you free after we're saved, after we're born again, we need to lay aside the things of the old life. We need to let God change our life with his word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. When I see that picture, I think of a Christian, and they're getting ready to run in a race and when you run in a race you want to be as light as you can you don't put on combat boots and a and and and, and a big coat and and heavy clothes and say well I don't want to get cold while I'm running it, it, it reminds me of Christians who'll say well there's nothing wrong with that they're always trying to justify well it's not wrong there's nothing wrong God said lay away lay aside anything that would hinder you from running the race that's set before you. 
We want to be winners. We want to know the joy uh, that comes from serving Christ. And when he said, loose him and let him go, he was saying, teach him the words of, this is the words of life. Do you hear me? These are the words of life. The more we have of God's word, the more we are set free, the more we live in the freedom of knowing him. Last of all, I want to say, he said, let him go. We come now to the responsibility of Lazarus. Lazarus is now free from death and he can go. God wants him to go. He wants us to go. Now that we are born again, we're saved, we're raised from the dead, we're saved from our sin, we're, we're made alive in Christ, you and I are to go forth in the Christian life. I did a study this week I've never done before. I don't know why, I just hadn't thought of it. The word go. How many times did Jesus say go? And I started finding those and looking for every time Jesus said go. And it seemed to be what he said to everybody. Go, go, go. Reminds me of a coach uh, uh, of, a, of a basketball game. And he's over there saying, go boys, go, 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 go. That's what Jesus always said, go. He didn't save you to sit soaking sour. He saved us to serve. Go ye into all the world, Jesus said, and preach the gospel to every creature. The woman that was taken in adultery and brought to Jesus and they said, this woman's broken the law, Jesus, and we want to hear you say that we can stone her to death. But Jesus forgave her of her sins and here's what he said. She said, uh, he asked her, uh, he, he, he said to the crowd, he said, all right. He said, anybody here that's never sinned, go ahead and cast the first stone. Go ahead, fellas. Woman, he said, where are thine accusers? Then he said this, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. You know what he said next? Go and sin no more. Mark chapter 5, verse number 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. This is the man that was the, called the maniac of Gadara. He was so lost and bound in his sins. He made his, he, he, he slept at the graveyard. That's where he stayed, at the, at the graves and the tombs. And he was a man that they had bound with chains and fetters. They tried to put him in every program in town. They couldn't bind him. Jesus came Jesus didn't bind him. Jesus set him free. Jesus, then he said, Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus said, no, I want you to go to your friends and tell them what's happened. Can I say this morning, Jesus, if he were here, he'd say to this church, go. Let's go. Tell somebody about Christ. Give somebody the gospel. Roll the stone away. I, I take the grave clothes off. Go, 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 go. Yesterday afternoon, I saw that North Carolina was playing Duke. Have you ever cheered for both teams to lose? <laughs> and they came about as close as could be. They tied and went into overtime. But as I had finished the sermon and prepared it, and I had the last thing, the last part of the sermon, how many times Jesus said go? I'd see those coaches. They'd get a rebound. He'd stand up. Go, 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 go. That's what he'd say. 
You know what Jesus says to us? Go. You may not can go as fast as you once could go, but go. Go. Take somebody the gospel of Christ. Four parts. Our work, God's work, our work, Lazarus' work. He said to the church at Corinth, we're co-labors with Christ. Think about this and I'm finished. In fact, go ahead and stand up. I'll show you how serious I am about finishing. Well, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to keep going, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. Just think about it this morning. Everywhere we've had the privilege to have a part in training a young man, young lady to serve God. There are 45 churches that we've helped start in America, 45. Some churches have started churches that we've started. We have grand churches. We're grandparents. I like it. Every person that gets saved, we had a small part in that. Maybe teaching them in a primary class, whether it's Sunday school or school. Preaching a sermon, investing in their life, spending time with them and soul winning. I decided years ago, I'd heard preachers, I thought they were advance agents for the undertaker. I did. I thought they were looking for business. I mean, every time you talk to them, everything was gloom and doom. I found out I was on the winning side. I said, I want to be advance agent for the winning team, for the winning side. And I say to you today, church, let's go tell somebody else that Christ loves them. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to have a part. Lord, you did not need man to use his strength to roll a stone away, but you chose to use him. You did not need a man to take the grave clothes from Lazarus. Lord, you proved that you had all power by bringing one back to life who not only had been dead, but had been dead for days. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see what a joy it is to have a small part in what you can do. And you can do great things if we'll simply do what we're supposed to do. Help us, Lord, as we extend a kind word, a handshake, a smile, a gospel tract, the gospel of Christ to another this week. Help us to realize it's not what we can do, it's what you can do with what you've given us the privilege to serve you. I pray for those here today not say that right now they'll trust you as Savior. I pray for those that need to be baptized that they'll be obedient to you. And the decisions that should be made, they will be made this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.